Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today, my guest is Sunil Arora. Sunil is a professional coach for individuals and companies. He focuses on leadership and personal development for founders and executives, small business owners, and individuals in a professional transition. He draws on his diverse experience in finance, sociology, technology startups, and the public policy space to what he is convinced is his calling, coaching. Sunil is also on the board of Experience Camps, a free week, a free one-week camp for kids ages 9 to 16 who have lost a loved one. I first met Sunil about five years ago at camp where we both were volunteers. Sunil lives in New York City with his wife and two young sons, and when he is not immersed in his coaching business or Experience Camps, he can be found following politics and current events, watching Bay Area sports, traveling, and, and taking in live theater with family and friends. Brother, I'm so excited to have you on. I feel connecting with you is such a gift and feel every time I leave a hangout with you, I leave pondering life and deep thought on the way I'm living my life, and I'm so excited to share this episode with the world. Thanks, brother. Such a pleasure and honor to be here with you. So, likewise. So, this is obviously the first episode, and... I'd be lying to you if I told you I had a grand plan here because, well, I don't. I love podcasting, love connecting with interesting individuals, and I love positively impacting others. I want to start by just saying thank you for being my first guest. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day, your life, to come and give yourself fully to this. And I think one thing that makes this especially interesting is the fact that I was actually one of your early clients on the coaching side, and you helped really open up my eyes to there being more to life than just business. And I feel we've both had the opportunity to see each other grow professionally, emotionally, and spiritually. And uh, just wanted to share my appreciation on that front before we dive in. Thank you. Yeah, you were certainly one of the first people I got to work with and a, a friend and, and client that uh, I'll, I always remember as I think about the, the origins of this uh, path I went on. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. So before we dive in, I wanted to share why I'm starting this podcast. You and I met over five years ago now at Experience Camps, a free one-week camp for kids ages 9 to 16 who have lost a loved one. Shameless plug, get in touch if you know someone whose kids have experienced loss. And uh, you and I both share significant loss. You lost your dad at a young age. I lost both my parents. And for longer than I can remember, impacting others has been a tremendous source of energy for me. And what made me want to start this podcast is that life isn't always easy. Things are not always going to go your way. At some point in your life, you will likely be a victim of tragedy, most likely more than once. And regardless, tragedy or not, you will face hardship, whether that be losing a job, dealing with a breakup, losing a loved one, uh, you know, hard things are going to come up in your life. But despite the hardship you endure, you will also experience limitless joy and I believe it's up to you to keep going and growing as a result of your circumstances. And for me, my tragedy has been such a powerful teacher. And I obviously wish tragedy upon no one, but shit, life's, life's hard, man. So since losing my parents, my perspective has totally changed. The man that I now am is 
is a result of my tragedy and the things I've been through from accepting the reality, living through the tragedy and trying to grow from, from it, the whole process. And I hope to share the wisdom, perspective, ideas I've gained through my loss, as well as the stories, perspective and ideas that my guests have. And really, I'm hoping through this podcast that I can share the stories of loss and tragedy and coming out on the other side stronger, more capable of building a life that uh, you truly love. So the main question I'm trying to understand each week is, can struggle and tragedy be one of our greatest teachers? So with that, I want to take it back. I want to hear more about, uh, you know, I want to take it back to your childhood where it all started. So, you know, take me back to a young Sunil way before you ever knew grief. Absolutely. Thanks, Danny. I love starting at the beginning when talking to anyone about where I am now and what I'm doing. I'm a big believer in us carrying everything that comes before us. And when I meet someone and ask them to tell me their story, oftentimes people will say, well, I graduated from so-and-so and I started working uh, at a certain company. And I always push them to to start at the very beginning. So I appreciate you you going there. I am originally from the Bay Area, uh, Silicon Valley. So I'm a California kid who's a, a New York convert. Uh, and I am the proud product of the classic immigrant story. Uh, my dad came to this country from India a long time ago to study in graduate school at Cooper Union here in New York. Uh, worked his butt off, uh, graduated became a citizen, started a life here, and as a result, I was later born standing on third base. And for uh, the, the non-baseball fans out there, what I mean by that is I was born with a winning lottery ticket to life. Health, opportunity, education, uh, my dad's mindset was uh, keep your head down, study hard, me and your mom will take care of everything. And, and they did that. Uh, and so my early childhood years and into my adolescent years and, and really beyond that was being the good son of immigrant, a type A, get shit done, organized on top of my stuff. Uh, my childhood was marked by um, having a great family system and support around me and the ability to just focus on learning and growing, but also by the circumstance of when I was born, my dad fell ill with uh, an illness he battled until he, he passed away uh, when I was 18. So there was that in the backdrop, but his example of strength and perseverance and grit didn't really allow me or my two older sisters or my mom to fully understand what he was going through for that period of time. So it was as normal of a childhood as you can imagine, even though in hindsight, I look back and say that wasn't normal at all. Um, when, but, when when was your dad when was your dad first uh like di diagnosed a few months before i was born okay so this was like the normal for you this is all i knew right uh specifically both his kidneys gave out out of nowhere he had several transplants that took for a period of time and then failed and then he was on dialysis for about 18 years um, to give you a, some context on that, the average person who has to go through dialysis can last for two or three years before their body gives out, and he lasted 18, which, again, in hindsight is uh, unfathomable, but really a testament to, to who he was physically, mentally, and emotionally. So you're born, you're, you're, you're a child, your dad's already ill. Um, 
I understand that was what normal was for you. So, um, walk, walk me through that as, as, as a child, I guess, um, did growing up with that, um, it sounds like it didn't really, did, did it interfere with, uh, your childhood or did you recognize any of this when you were young? No, th there was a subconscious in my mind of what I had been given at birth, what I'd been born with. And it obviously became a little bit more conscious over time, but there was an appreciation of we always had everything we needed and we had uh, everything that we could ask for. We were well provided for. Uh, my mom and dad did a, a great job to make things as normal as they could given the circumstances. So there wasn't a consciousness of what was off or wrong because like any kid, it's all you know, right? So you, you acclimate to that. Um, I had a wonderful example and two older sisters who were really smart and hardworking as well and they did well in school. And We had a uh, pretty conventional, normal family unit even though my dad was struggling on his own with some very difficult uh, illness for that whole time. Uh, but for myself, it was I got to be a kid and love sports and do well in school and enjoy my friends and we got to travel as a family. So there wasn't anything that was missing or lacking. So following that operation, I just want to, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about what, what happened after. So he, he passed away and it was again, a, a kind of broadside to the whole family. We we're all shell shocked. None of us expected it. And it fundamentally changed our reality. Uh, I was 18 years old, uh, two older sisters, as I mentioned, one's uh, 22, my sister Neha, and my older sister Anjali was 26 at the time. Uh, my, mom, my mom was just 50 years old, right? so she was a, a very young uh, widow, and we then just tried to make the best sense of the reality that we could. Right? I was uh, a freshman in college, as I mentioned. Um, I was taking a really heavy load my second semester of my first year, and uh, personally, I threw myself into my work in, in college, and I had fortunately already built a really wonderful group of friends and a support system in college that was helpful to me. Um, I was involved with a few different things on campus, including the men's basketball team where I was a student manager, and that was already sort of like a second family to me given how much time we spent together. So I was throwing myself into my work and my studies and doing the things that I know my dad would have wanted me to. But at the same time, I had an immediate feeling that I was a bit of an alien uh, and could not connect with or recognize my surroundings or anyone around me. Because to give you some context, right, I'm 18 years old, uh, you're a freshman in college, and the worst thing that's ever happened to the people you're meeting is... Uh, they get a bad grade for the first time because they are type A, high-achieving people who are now surrounded by their peers and things are harder. Uh, or the the guy or girl they like is not uh, returning their call, right? And I'm trying to equivocate that with my wife, life being upside down right? and um, not having my father anymore. So there was a, a really difficult period for me of trying to reconcile that. And it was where, for me, the, the the concept of relativity came to the forefront of my mind for the first time. And what I mean by that is to uh, appreciate that 
we all have our own baseline and you can't control yours or someone else's. So if your baseline uh, of of grief, of life punching you in the face is losing a parent at age 18 and someone else's baseline is they didn't get into their first college of choice and they went to their second, that's just what the reality is, right? You can't change that. You can't begrudge that. You have two responses in my mind to that. One, you can get really bitter and disaffected and just withdraw from people and things in life. Or two, you can use that to start to build a degree of of empathy and understanding and appreciation that we all have our own baseline and whatever someone's baseline is, is the depths of what they're feeling, right? And and you're not trying to uh, make that of the same gravity or no one's trying to say, oh, that's as hard or as bad as what you went through. It's just our own felt experience. And if I think back on it now in terms of uh, the work I do today and the natural empathy I bring to it, some of it certainly I think was just innate, came from my family, my parents, my upbringing, but a lot of it was enhanced by that period of time when I was in college and having to figure out how do I empathize with someone who on some level I can't really relate to or is talking about something that's so much less consequential than what I'm dealing with. Mm. I think, I think, I mean, for me personally, um, I still feel um, to this day that um, just to touch upon that, I feel like there's still lots of friends that I have who, um, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to them is they've been dumped yep. um, or they got fired or something that I guess relative to my own experience, I'm like, oh, you have no idea. But um, relative to what they've experienced in life, that is the absolute worst thing that's happened to them. Absolutely. I'm curious, do you feel like um, the perspective you have through your loss, is that something that um, you can teach or you can gain for that individual who has not experienced something, um, let's call it significant, like like a loss or something like that? I'm curious, do you think that that's something that, um, like how does one, I guess, gain that wisdom without having to go through something tragic? It's a fantastic question. Something I think about all the time, and quite frankly, it's at the root of a lot of the work I do in my coaching business. For me, what the loss at an early stage did was help me appreciate two things on a very deep level that I carry with me every day. The first I already mentioned, with it, which is the incredible fortune of my existence at birth. What I was born into appreciating what my dad did for all of us in a very short life uh, and thinking and he about, was and he was sick and so he was sick that's Absolutely. like incredible you know he, Absolutely. Uh, what uh, he did in 55 short years when he was sick for 18 of them I'll never be able to fully wrap my head around so the 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 loss made me appreciate my existence of what I was born into as opposed to the many other places, families, things I could have been born into. Uh, as you think about you know, the person and what uh, he did in a short period of time in life. The second thing the, the loss made me appreciate is this cliched phrase we hear a lot of uh, time is our most precious resource. And you hear it a lot, people talk about it, but I live it every day 
it courses through my my veins in terms of sitting with that uh, and focusing my whole life on wanting to be time wealthy because you and I, God willing, are going to have 80, 90 years on this planet. But the truth is, we don't know. Nobody knows, right? So those two things uh, are what I sit with every day in, in my work, in my meditation, in my interactions with everyone else. And for me, the the biggest response to those two things of the fortune of your existence and both honoring the time you have as well as honoring the people who are robbed of time is to live as consciously and intentionally as possible. Mm, I love that. Right? To say, let me be aware of what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, and then let me be intentional about the path forward as a result. So when you coming back to your question of is it possible to appreciate those two things and then be conscious and intentional as a result, absolutely. I believe so. Again, it's the basis of the work I do with with people to say, let's think about how to build your muscles of consciousness and intentionality. Now, if you want to parse them out, the first one I think just requires someone taking a step back and being honest about their circumstances and how they grew up and, and where they grew up. Because the reality is in the developed world, certainly where we live in this incredible city, uh, in downtown Manhattan, where we're sitting right now, m many people around us have a fortunate birth in terms of what they were born into and their the, the winning lottery ticket to life that I described, right? In different ways. We all have our, our things that could be better or, or, or certainly weren't perfect, but that's something that I feel like if you just highlight to someone, if you frame it that way and someone's honest with themselves, they can get their heads around appreciating. The second piece is harder around time, right? Because everyone talks about it. It's well understood, but living it is a is a different thing. And that's something in my experience that unless you've seen or felt a loss or seen someone close to you be robbed of time in their lives, it can be hard to truly connect to we don't know how long we have. Because it, it feels a little abstract. It feels a little bit as a, sure, I know that happens to people, but you know, it's not going to happen to me or my family. Similar to how uh, you grew up 18 years with your dad and uh, you never thought that he would he would die. You always thought he would, you thought he would come out of, it was just another operation. Beautiful example. I can resonate with that so much when, when, uh, <laughs> well, when my dad was sick, um, I didn't even, not for a second did I think that death was even part of the equation. Yep. I thought it was as if he caught a cold. Yeah. Um, and he had cancer and I thought it was, oh, he, he's, he's going to be okay. He's, he's my dad. He can get through this. And, um, I don't even know if at the time I thought it was like he's, there's something to get through. I just thought this is like, a cold it's like a flu and um the doctors are gonna cure him so um was very i guess naive looking back but also didn't have any other experience so um i can really resonate with that quite a bit you so you had mentioned uh looking at time being being time wealthy um i'm sure people listening to this are thinking what does that mean what is that so um what what do you what does time wealthy mean to you? This is a, a concept I'm fairly obsessed with, and when you talk to people about what they want to do with their lives, their careers, 
understandably, a lot of people say, hey, I want to amass wealth. I want to earn more so that I can provide for myself, my family. We can do all these things. And what, which is a wonderful intention and very necessary and something that people should be proud of and focus on with ambition and, and pride. And, not but, but and, what I love helping people appreciate alongside that is this concept of of time wealth, of agency over your time, being able to, to spend it with whom you want and where you want, of just having more of it for this, yourself, your family, your friends, the things you care about in life. And what I see happen too often is that people will pursue financial wealth beyond a point of of need. I refer to this as the inflection point of earnings. Right? So this is where my macro econ nerdy side comes into play here. Uh, and uh, bear with me for a second as I describe this point at which the marginal value of a dollar earned, right, what you could do with the incremental dollar, decreases relative to the cost of that dollar. And when I say cost of that dollar, the cost of that extra dollar you're earning is the uh, amount of time you're away from your family, the amount of time that you don't have to work out or take care of yourself or pursue your hobbies or do the things you want to do alongside uh, what you do professionally. And so that's where I love working with people to say, what is that inflection point for you? There's no right or wrong to it. Everyone has a different life structure, cost structure, live in different places, cost of living, et cetera. But I think it's really important to understand what that is for yourself individually or as a couple or as a family, because once you're at that point, then you can shift into appreciating time wealth to say, you know what? Um, I'm only earning $10 this week. And sure, I could work harder and earn $12, but I don't really need the extra $2. And the time I could have for myself if I wasn't working to earn those extra $2 is going to make me time wealthy. Yeah. So really taking control of the time you have and um, sounds like also balancing. So looking at it from there's more to life than just work and um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work, I'm gonna make a living, and these are other areas of my life that are, if not more important than work, um, these are the things or that's gonna drive a true source of happiness for that individual. Absolutely. Makes complete sense. Do you think that that's um do you think that like for someone who's listening, who's trying to figure out, um, let's just take someone who's making a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to have, they're going to go on to build a family, have kids. How do you think you can strike a balance or how do you think they can strike a balance between trying to get to a spot where they feel financially comfortable, but also bringing in those other areas that are important in their life, whether that be hobbies, um, spending time with family, friends. Um, you know, I, I think it's very easy for it's very easy to talk about uh, managing 
time and how, like you said, it's, 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 it's a concept that you can wrap your head around and say, oh, of course, time is limited. I think all the time you hear people say, um, I personally feel like a lot of people walk around as if they're going to live forever, even though they know, like everyone knows we're going to die. We're all going to die. Um, so I'm curious, like how, how do you think you start to actually practice um, becoming time wealthy, knowing that um, for a lot of, I'm 26, for a lot of like young hustlers who are very ambitious, they might prioritize um, money at the moment and sort of put aside some of the other key areas in their life that are important. It's it's actually funny. I was at lunch yesterday with a friend and um, he's a bit older and he had told me uh, when I get there, when I get there, when I get there, I'll, I'll uh, I'm going to go and do nothing. That was his response. And I said, um, I said, really nothing. You're, you're a pretty ambitious guy. Like you don't want to do anything. He said, there is so much out there that I can consume on the internet I could spend hours on YouTube learning new new and cool things, but I'm just not there yet. And I was thinking, you know, what well, first of all, what if you never get there? Whatever there is, you know, I'm assuming that's a number in his head that he that he's created. Um, so you know, one, what if you never get there? But two, you can very well get there and realize there is no there. Like I'm chasing this thing and now that I'm here, it might not make you any happier. Um, or like, you know, you have some more financial security, but what about those other areas in your life? So, um, I don't, I don't know. I was thinking about that just now as you're, as you're, as we're talking about becoming time wealthy. And I, I really wanted to tell him like, you know, there, you might not never, you might not ever get there or you might get there and realize, you know, you've been chasing this thing, but you put aside like all those things that you want to go and do, um, watch YouTube videos and consume the internet or whatever. Those are things you could be doing right now if that's a source of happiness for you. Um, so like, how do you, you know, this person mid thirties, how do you get them to see that, believe it and, and actually practice it? Um, you know, you know, that person might chase there for, the next 20 years and and never get there. And he might've just lived 20 years and put aside those other things that actually are a great source of happiness for him. Yeah. So as I was saying, I appreciate you sharing that story and it brings the, the pride and inspiration. I feel when I hear your incredible growth over the last five years of us knowing each other, because that's not a mindset you would have had, let alone been able to share so eloquently with someone else. So it's a lucky friend that you have to be able to to hear that wisdom from you. And I think you hit the two points right on the head there. One is there isn't a there. That destination is a moving target. Um, and two, you and I both painfully know we have no idea what happens between now and the five or 10 or 20 years you're planning to get there, right? So the the approach I take with folks who are have living that mindset is to say, let's talk about what you think that there is and why it's so important for you to work towards that and not engage with the things that you're talking about wanting to do once you get there right now, right? And you strip this down to the even more challenging example of what you mentioned of the person who's just starting out in their career or has concepts around this, how do you help them understand the balance between the need to grow and 
earn well and establish a financial foundation for themselves and their future family, but also try to appreciate time and live a more holistic life. And this is a tricky balance. I live in downtown Manhattan with my wife and two young sons. Uh, cost of living is a very real thing, right? The approach I take with people when I push them to differentiate is their needs and their wants, right? So if you just want to boil it down to how much money do I need to make? Think about all the things that you need from a basic life standpoint, right? And differentiate those from the wants. And that helps you get to the level that you can think about to say, okay, I've got my needs covered. You know what? There are these couple of wants I want to include that in here alongside that. And then I want to optimize for being as time multi as possible so that I can spend my time however I want to with myself, with my partner, with my friends, with my family, with my hobby, with my volunteering, whatever that might be, right? So it's stripping that the wants away from the needs and not to say you shouldn't have wants on that list or incorporate those into what you're going to earn or what you uh, want to do from a work standpoint, but it then allows for a really deep and thoughtful analysis around, do I need all these wants on here? Are they all that important to me? versus the other things I might want to do uh, with my time right now. And for people who, again, have experienced a loss and appreciate the concept of time in a, a very different way, this can be a, a more straightforward path to go down. For those who haven't, it's trickier because you're, the human mind is wired to feel like we're all going to live forever. Right. There's a reason that people in their 40s and 50s start to change behavior or think different things or, you know, have the proverbial midlife crisis is because you start getting reminded of mortality. You have friends that suddenly tragically pass away, your own parents age and, and pass away. Right. Uh, so it happens for people eventually in life. But to your question, how do you instill that early on in terms of appreciation of time without having to lose someone very close to you. Really hard, but absolutely possible if you're willing to do that work on yourself. Yeah. I love the the needs and wants. Um, I feel like someone just coming out of school, um, fresh out of school, moves to New York City, making a decent salary. Um, I, you know, that's really when I feel like you really have that. Uh, a lot of people I know have that hustle, they have that fire lit underneath them and they're like, let's, let's go and get, let's go and chase this, the money, the world, whatever it is they're, they're after, um, the financial opportunity. And, um, yeah, just sitting here, I'm thinking even in my own head, you know, what are the, the, the absolute needs and appreciating once I have the needs and what are the things that I want, but, um, whether I have those things or not, these are the things that I'm going to really appreciate are are the needs, and if anything more anything more than that is just abundance and um, s gifts, you know that's sort of what I sort of took took away from that. Absolutely, I'm curious. Um, I've heard you know you've mentioned before to me multiple times that you feel like life is rigged in our favor, mm -hmm. and um, want to ask you about that. You know lost your dad at, at 18 years old, um, your world's turned upside down. Why is it, what does that mean to you? Life is rigged in your favor and why do you so firmly believe that? 
What are we doing right now? This is a beautiful thing. We're in this amazing studio and this is a gift. I'm getting to sit here and talk to someone who inspires me, who is like family to me, who I can talk to for hours at a time in a beautiful studio in downtown Manhattan as we're reflecting on the things we've overcome and the things we want to share with the world and the legacy that we want to carry on for um, our parents, right? We're not sitting here talking about uh, basic needs, our safety, avoiding persecution, roof over our heads, right? That in and of itself is all the proof that I need to have that life is rigged in our favor, even with everything that's happened. And it's a, a fair point. A very thoughtful friend of mine years ago said, I love this mindset you have, but it doesn't really reconcile with me. You lost your dad when you were 18. Like, that's not a indication of life being rigged in your favor. And it, I really had never conceptualized that before. But when he said that, I said, shoot, you're actually right. I, I totally get your point. And it doesn't make me waver for a second in that feeling because of, again, the uh, winning lottery ticket I had at birth and the, the fortune of that existence and everything my dad did for 18 years to prepare me for life and what he gave me and my mom and, and my sisters. And it's... It's the mindset, and this goes back to a related mindset and framework I talk about all the time with the people in my life is abundance versus scarcity. Right? I could absolutely choose to look at things in a scarce framework of I don't have enough of X. We all could, right? And fill in the blank. I don't have enough money, love, time, attention, time with my parents, living, you name it. Or you can look at things from an abundance mindset of, wow, look at how much our parents were able to do for us in our lives. Look at, you lost your parents and uh, both of them in your 20s and look at how they prepared you for the rest of your life. And look at what they gave you and your sisters, right? Uh, look at what I'm surrounded by with an incredible partner and friends and work that I love. And so the concept of life being rigged in my favor really comes from the abundance mindset of, yes, it's all, I'm not denying all the things I don't have or that were taken from me, but I'm choosing to sit with what my reality is today in spite of all that. Mm. I love that. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like, um, I'm curious, do you feel like you would have gained this perspective if you if your dad never died? I think it would have been much harder. I'd like to say yes, but honestly, it probably would have taken me longer in life to get here. And I don't know if I would have gotten here. The, the human mind is, especially again in the developed world we live in, is prone to a scarcity mindset of, again, I don't have enough fill in the blank. And that's something that can be hard to overcome when you haven't had something to rock your world and make you appreciate time in a different way and appreciate 
everything you have in, in spite of that, right? So, uh, yeah, to be completely honest, it, it, I don't know if I would have gotten here. I certainly would have gotten here as quickly as I did, uh, given the experiences and circumstances I had. So do you, I'm I'm just curious. Um, I think about this a lot myself. Like, if you could, obviously you can't. Would you change anything? Would you change the cards you were dealt? Would you change the way that um, you went on living your life? You know, I think I think about that a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, sh- we're we're sitting here. I'm trying to. Uh, you know, I'm curious to 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 talk about a on a, on a weekly basis to talk with people to talk about the the lessons and the things they've gained as a result of loss, tragedy, etc. And for me personally, I feel like um, my life was flipped upside down, twirled around, and, you know, I started to build my life back up. And um, I think with, with each loss, first losing my dad and then my mom, um, with each experience, um, I sort of feel like it's like first you're broken, I'm broken again. And with each time, start start to build myself up with a new perspective, new knowledge, new wisdom, seeing, you know, having a greater sense of time, how lucky, how lucky we are to, like we said, be sitting in this room. So, you know, I think about a lot about who I am today and who I'm becoming. And um, I'm curious, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking to myself, would I change anything? And I'm curious if you would. Nope. Inherent in the idea of changing something, in my view, is allowing yourself to go down the slippery slope into scarcity. Mm. Because if you're thinking about changing something, it's because I don't have enough. This was taken. I lost this, right? I I don't wish the experience of losing a parent at an early age on anybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrific, right? Yeah, it, it's something we talk. You and I talk about all the time. The perverse irony of you and I never would have met had we not lost our fathers, right? And I can't imagine you not being in my life, right? So that's just this. Uh, again, you scarcity versus abundance. I lost this thing, and I also gained this incredible human being and a community of people and what we do with experience camps to help kids who don't have what you and I had in terms of community and support uh, to get through life as a result. So, no, I wouldn't change anything because you you just go down a path of uh, focusing on the wrong things if you have that. Right? That's not to say again that. You you don't you wish this hadn't happened, uh, or you certainly uh, would love everyone you know and everyone in the world to be able to have their parents grow into old age with them and see the the people they marry and the kids they have like that. It's a overwhelming point, right? One of the things that uh, hurts me the most is that my dad never got to meet uh, the incredible human being uh, in my life who is my my partner forever in Millie, and he'll never get to meet his. His grandsons, right? So uh, that's something that, uh, that I sit with every day, and at the same time, I I wouldn't change anything because of the feeling that life is still very much rooted in my favor. It's it's funny. Um, 
I was with uh, another friend a few weeks ago and I told him, you know, despite everything that's happened, I feel like I'm the luckiest human alive. And he was quick to tell me, you know, if your parents were still alive, you'd be even luckier. And, um, you know, in some ways, yes, of course you could say that. But um, in some ways I, I told him, look, I don't think I'd have, I don't think we'd be sitting in this room right now. I think if both my parents were still alive, I'd probably be complaining about uh, the college that I never got accepted into and that, you know, how that tore me, that tore me apart. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you. Wouldn't change a thing. There's a deeper conversation to be had around this related to some Buddhist philosophies that I've read about and very much connected with, and that is the concept of suffering. And according to to that mindset, suffering is part of human existence, right? So if you accept that to be true, then you can just appreciate that we all have our own form and flavor of suffering. And to say, well, I would have taken this away, but maybe you have a, a, a different form. In my mind, it just, it takes you down a, a path of looking backwards and makes the already really difficult battle of abundance over scarcity even harder for you. Yeah. Do you, um, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot to be said around suffering. Um, personally, I feel like, um, once you start to suffer, that's really where you really start to grow. Um, you know, I, I ran the marathon and the New York city marathon didn't train much at all. And, um, the whole time up until mile 18, it was, it was a breeze and mile 18, I started to get the worst cramps I've ever felt in my legs. And, um, basically from mile 20 to the end, I had these huge cramps and I just kept saying to myself, this is it, baby. The race has finally started. And I felt like that was, that was the, that's where the growth took place in miles 20 to 26.2. It was just the, the, the thrill and the okay, we can push ourselves so much further than when, from where the pain starts to kick in. Yeah. Um, and I try to sort of, uh, I, I really try to live my life with, you know, accepting that suffering is going to happen and um, trying to push through that. And I, I just really believe that there's definitely something to be said with, I, I could think of even bad breakups where I thought my life was turned upside down. And um, sort of as a result, there's a lot, again, through that suffering, there's a lot that, that I think one can gain. And if you go back to a previous question you asked around, can people who haven't suffered a loss have the same appreciation of time that you and I do? My answer is yes, but it's a lot harder. Again, I sit with every day the appreciation for the fact that I have this very deep, thoughtful and spiritual relationship with time and how that's going to serve me with my own wife and sons and life. And now with the work I get to do in helping people who uh, are wanting to think about the, the points of consciousness and, and consciousness and intentionality on a deeper level themselves, right? So that all comes from the same thing that uh, you can appreciate both the downsides of, but also the benefits of. Yeah, ab absolutely. 
Um, so we're just we're just at the the one hour mark. So we have to wrap things up. I'm curious if there's anything else that um, you want to get out or quickly speak on. Um, no. No, this has been a, a wonderful conversation that could go on for yeah. approximately five to seven more hours. So <laughs> I just want to thank you for doing this and starting it and putting the conversation out in the world. And it's my honor to to kick things off with you. Do you, Um, I have one last question for you. Someone who's going through um, dealing with something doesn't have to necessarily be loss. Um, you know, someone who's dealing with something hard right now, what would be your um, quick, I guess, 30 seconds, one minute words of advice to them? Be kind to yourself. It's the thing I've realized is the most consistent theme of people I've worked with and come across in my life is our inability to be kind to ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to give ourselves a break, to not be so hard on yourself with what you're dealing with. Uh, it's the biggest gift you can give yourself to figure out what you need from a self-care standpoint physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So uh, just be kind to yourself. Awesome. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 